0: Hey Sam.
1: Oh hey over there. Oh hey. Oh hey across the couch.
0: Right?
1: So weird.
0: It is so weird. I'm watching you pour your beer.
1: Now you know what that looks like. Yeah. You've been dying to know for over a year right?
0: I have been. (laughs) I have been.
1: (laughs) And today we're making it super easy on everyone. Oh now I'm watching her pour her beer. (laughs) Because we're drinking the same thing today. And my Mm. God, it smells delicious.
0: Does it? Yeah, smell it. Mmm.
1: So we were both at Target today, um, and we stumbled across this gluten-free blueberry tea beer from Wild Ohio Brewing, and I was like, that sounds weird. I want to try it. So here we are.
0: Trying it. Well, and it's funny because uh, the first thing that we both said when we read beer made without barley or malts made with fermentable sugars and fruit juice was that's not beer.
1: That's kombucha (laughs) or weird ass (laughs) wine, maybe. Yeah. Wine, beer, kombucha, uh, brainchild. Yeah. It's pretty good, though. What do you think?
0: It is. It's nice and sweet, and it's a nice change of pace of what we've been drinking all weekend. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to mix it up. I'm a fan. I'm glad that you saw this.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah, like we were just live on our Instagram, and as some of you might know, we went and saw my favorite murder yesterday. Well, last Saturday, I guess is what we should be saying now, Um, in Cincinnati. So I've spent the weekend at Bev's place and it's lovely, much lovelier than the photos even. Um and it's been a really fun time and it was cool to see my favorite murder live and now we're recording in person. Aw shucks.
0: Aww. Yeah, it, it's been it's been pretty awesome. We don't normally get to see each other because we live so far apart. Um But it's good to do this because it's a good reminder that we do actually like each other in real life.
1: Yeah, which totally helps because it would be super awkward if we're like, (laughs) I kind of hate you in real life. (laughs) We can't do this in person. (laughs) We could (laughs) never do this live together. No, actually, I feel like Bev and I travel well together because not only did I stay with you, we drove an hour and a half away and stayed in a very lovely Airbnb with complete straight well complete strangers to me <laughs>
0: yeah some of my friends though yeah
1: <laughs> it was a kind lot of fun yeah it was it was awesome
0: so welcome to we drink and we farm
1: things hey and that's Bev over there and that's Sam over there and this is the farm comedy podcast that is happy hour for your ears
0: we drink adult beverages talk about farming things and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life
1: Yeah, it's not that we don't want our farms to be full of good things all the time, but the realities of farm life aren't always rainbows and sunshine.
0: Yeah, we like to keep it real with you and have discussions that include the mistakes we make, new knowledge we gain, we do our best to entertain you, and sometimes we
1: go off on tangents. Yes. Speaking of tangents... We record those sometimes separately and put them up on our Patreon for the whole world to listen to. You do not have to support us on Patreon to hear those. Um, so for past BS sessions, go over to patreon.com slash farm.
0: Yeah. And this week we didn't do a BS session because we went live on Instagram instead mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I don't think you'll be able to watch it at this point. If I can figure out how to save it, I will so that people can like watch it later. But I don't think that's how the Instagram works.
1: No. But you can follow us on Instagram at Drinkin Farm so you can catch that sort of thing when it randomly happens.
0: Yeah, because we're not usually together. It's not going to happen that often. Um, but while we were together this week, we also went live in our Facebook group. And that's going to be... T- that's gonna be together forever. No, <laughs> that was not. That has
1: high hopes for us, and she's projecting them <laughs> into the microphone right now.
0: Yes, uh, that's gonna be available for forever, or for as long as Facebook is a thing. <laughs> and you can join our group over on the Facebook. Just search for "We Drink and We Farm Things." You have to answer some questions, uh, but then as soon as you answer them and we see it, we will let you in. Yes. And then
1: you can watch the live. And please, for the love of everything, answer all three questions. Otherwise, you're just going to sit there in Facebook purgatory till the end of time. We know it's a little weird to answer questions, but we want to make sure that you're human and not a robot and that you're of legal drinking age in your country.
0: Yes, because all of those things are important.
1: Yes. Also, we mentioned Patreon, but we didn't really explain it. So Patreon is a great way to support the podcast. Um, We have levels starting at $2 and up. And for anybody that is like $2 and up, you get free content, some outtake material. Um, We're going to be hopefully posting a session that Bev and I did, kind of like a BS session, um, that we did on Friday with some new equipment that we got, thanks to Tina, Honey, and Rue. So you can go over there and support us at the $2 level or above. God, it sounds like freaking PBS. <laughs> at the $2 level or above, you get this. But if you are at the $5 level or above, we are going to send out thank you gifts in early April for active patrons that are charged on 4-1. So that means you want to go get that set up like right now so that you can get this super cool gift that bev came up with with a fellow we'll just call her a farming artist yeah yeah that's
0: a good way to put that a farming yeah. artist yeah um yeah and uh the uh patreon peeps have a new nickname it it's patreon peeps in, like, in case beep, beep. i didn't make that clear uh, <laughs> um and the patreon allows us to do things like upgrade our recording equipment And we've also been buying mics to send to guests that are going to be on the podcast so that they have the best sound that they possibly can. We pay for the shipping of those mics and the shipping back to us so that our guests don't have to pay anything to be on the podcast. So it helps us cover some expenses that are related to producing the best show that we're capable of producing. And so for that, thanks. Yeah.
1: And we are encouraging you to go check it out. And if it's in, you're interested in doing that sort of thing, it's also going to help send us to Coop Camp, um, where we'll be recording a live episode. Um, we're going to record a Coop Camp recap and hopefully, like, kind of wander over some people um, that you may or may not know over on the Instagram or Facebook and ask them a few questions. So doing that helps us get there and do all those fun things and then come home and put it together for you guys. So... Check it out. Yeah. And this week, our drinks are sponsored by Jessica Hawkins. Woo! Yay! Jessica
0: Hawkins is one of my oldest friends. And by oldest friends, I don't mean in age number. (laughs) I just mean that I have known her the longest. So thanks, Jessica.
1: Cheers. Cheers. And I do believe we have some follow-up this week.
0: We do. Uh, While... We were editing episode 53. Uh, In episode 53, we talked about how both Sam and I had run out of hay. Uh, And uh, so we talked about hay and we talked about feeding the goats alfalfa pellets. So I just did like a little bit of quick research and realized that feeding goats alfalfa is actually sort of a controversial topic.
1: Right. But I feel like... Most things in animal husbandry, as they call it, um, can be a little controversial because everybody does it a little differently.
0: Yeah. And uh, we thought that this follow-up was a good time to just remind you that doing research is really important so that you can decide what will work best for your farm. Mm -hmm. And everything that we say here isn't necessarily going to be what works best for you either. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So the link that Bev shared with me actually has a lot of conflicting information just right in the same, like, like the first page. It's amazing. But it was really cool because nobody was like really being rude to anybody or calling each other out or anything like that. It was like, this is what I do. This is what works for me. But the key thing I did see is that if you are feeding strictly alfalfa and not some kind of mix, you do want to make sure that your bucks are getting ammonium chloride in their feed. Whether that's just in the feed that you get or you can mix a little bit in. Um, It's just something to keep an eye on. So that's kind of like the overarching theme that I saw. Yeah, that was a good
0: overarching theme theme to recognize uh but i also wanted to mention that i don't actually put ammonium chloride in mine i just <laughs> i just keep a baggie of straight ammonium chloride in my goat first aid kit so that if i see any signs that mini coop he's my weather uh is struggling in the bathroom department i can uh dissolve it and give him a syringe full of it so that and it just can shoot them up yep shoot him up
1: <laughs> yeah we have currently for our, our adult goats we have two weathers and we have little two who's a just our little dude um so we have a lot of males that we have to be concerned about so we um the breeder that we got the majority of our goats from recommended that feed because it's already mixed in there and she said with that she's never had any issues so that's just kind of what we stuck with
0: well and i just realized that by shoot him up it sounded like give it to him intravenously (laughs) and that wasn't what we meant we meant just to have him drink it from the syringe
1: yeah sam was (laughs) trying to be funny and it kind of failed
0: well i mean we can't fault you for trying to be funny,
1: right again e for (laughs) effort so today the day that we record this is march 17th which is saint patrick's day um and i noticed something kind of funny on bev's counter when i was here and we thought hey it's saint patrick's day let's talk about something irish and bev has some potatoes sprouting on her counter and i was like let us talk about the potato famine We just said potato famine and laughed, which
0: sounds horrifyingly <laughs> inappropriate.
1: But to our credit, we just saw My Favorite Murder, and we laughed about a guy getting ravaged by a, a, a pack of lions. Yeah. After he got done relieving himself in their enclosure. So, you know, it's not a far stretch that we're laughing about the potato famine. But it is, in fact, not freaking funny because I knew very little about it before we started putting the show notes together today. And now I just feel really mad. So, buckle up. I hope you're already buckled up if you're driving. But buckle up to learn a little bit more about the Great Famine in Ireland. Cue bagpipe music. No, wait, that's Scotland. <laughs> oh, sh- shit. <laughs> I
0: was going to say something and then I was like, I have no noises to add to this because I can't
1: need make myself...
0: Yeah, like do an Irish jig or do an Irish accent. So I guess on that note, I'll it's
1: magically delicious. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is why we can't record in person. <laughs> we thought we got off track just talking to each other basically over the phone.
0: <laughs> Let's see what happens when we're in the same room together. Yes.
1: <laughs> okay. So here we go. So the Great Famine is also referred as the great Hunger, and that lasted between eighteen forty five and eighteen forty nine and it was arguably the single greatest disaster that affected the Irish history. so the famine was caused by the potato blight um, that was inadvertently brought over initially from North America to mainland Europe and had eventually made its way to Ireland during the summer of eighteen forty five and this fungus is called. Phytophthora infestus or pea infestus, which is way easier to say, Um, but it spread rapidly throughout Ireland.
0: Wait, did you just say that they were infested with pea? Basically. Okay.
1: (laughs) That's what it sounds like. I just wanted to make sure that that was what I heard. (laughs) It's like somebody like really distinguished just being like P infestus junior. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But you know, it's not super unusual to have crops that fail and people thought it was just an isolated event, but little did they know this infants, this infestation ruined up to one half of the potato crop that first year and about three quarters of the crop over the next seven years holy shit yeah that's a lot of it yes that's a lot so it's not like an isolated instant incident so initially they were just like oh you know it's just a shit year it'll be fine but um there are these things called tenant farmers in ireland and i'll talk a little bit more of that later um in ireland at the time was ruled as a british colony um, and it relied heavily on the potato as a source of food especially during the cold winters uh, so this infestation had a catastrophic effect a catastrophic impact on Ireland and its population the other really screwed up thing that I learned was that certain grains such as oats and wheats were grown in Ireland but they were exported by the government as were cattle and pork so in just four years Ireland was screwed and over a million of its population would die from the disease and starvation, and through forced immigration, Ireland's population was reduced by almost two million people. Holy
0: shit. Yeah. I have a feeling I'm going to be saying that a lot. Yeah. During this. Holy
1: shit. You just need a sound effect. You need a button.
0: <laughs> the holy shit button?
1: Yeah. So just to kind of back up a little bit about why this got so out of control, you have to understand what was happening in Ireland in the 1800s. So with the ratification of the Acts of the Union in 1801, Ireland was effectively governed as a colony of Great Britain until its War of Independence in the early 20th century. So together, the combined nations were known as the United United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland. As such the British government appointed Ireland's executive heads of state, known respectively as the Lord Lieutenant and Chief Secretary of Ireland, although the residents of the Emerald Isles could elect representation to the parliament, parliament in London. So what does that all mean? Basically, Ireland sent 105 representatives to the House of Commons, which is the lower House of Parliament, and 18 quote-unquote peers, which is titled landowners, to the House of Lords or the Upper House. But it's really important to note that the bulk of these elected representatives were landowners of British origin and or their sons. In addition, any Irish individual who practiced Catholicism, um, the majority of Ireland's native population were initially prohibited from owning or leasing land. They couldn't vote. And they couldn't hold elected office under the so-called penal laws, a.k.a. zero clocks were given about the actual Irish people. So this is how we got in that boat.
0: Yeah. Literally into the boat. Literally by sending the things that they (laughs) could grow and raise successfully and eat right into a boat and away to another mm-hmm. country. Yeah, like goodbye. Goodbye.
1: The really interesting thing though is that the penal laws that we just covered were largely largely repealed by 1829, which was before, you know, the famine onset happened. But English and Anglo Irish families owned most of that land in Ireland and most Irish Catholics were relayed. <laughs> most Most Irish Catholics, that's really hard to say. So most Irish Catholics were to work as tenant farmers, which I mentioned earlier, which means they were forced to pay rent to the landowners to do their farm thing.
0: So if their farm thing failed, like as in the potatoes, then they had to pay the money and Mm -hmm. not create any food.
1: Right. So they paid to do their farm thing. The farm thing failed, and then to try again the next year, they'd have to pay again.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. So this is when it really starts to get shitty. So the crops began to fail in 1845, and the Irish leaders in Dublin petitioned Queen Victoria and the Parliament to do something about it. And initially they did. They repealed these corn laws and the tariffs on grain, which made food such as corn and bread... um, Really expensive, so they removed those tariffs. That got a little more affordable, but still, these changes failed to offset the growing problem of the potato blight. So a lot of these farmers um, couldn't, you know, produce anything. Um, they didn't have food to consume their for themselves. So the cost of other supplies began rising. Thousands died from star- starvation, and hundreds of thousands more from disease caused by malnutrition. Super sad. Um, also to complicate matters further, historians have concluded um, that Ireland continued to export those large quantities of food, um, primarily to Great Britain. So isn't that a you? Um, and that, you know, there was like no livestock, there was no butter, there was no nothing. Uh, and it, the research actually suggests that during that time, the exports have were like increasing during the potato famine. So they've had more of this stuff than ever, but it just kept going out the freaking door. Like they didn't have access to it. That
0: is just insane to me. Mm -hmm.
1: So the initial efforts to alleviate this problem um, brought on by the failure of the potato crop were slow to be organized. Um, As we mentioned earlier, it's not totally unusual for a potato crop to fail. People lived on the reserves that they had um, and many of them also ate the seed potatoes, therefore depriving themselves of their next harvest as well. But as the years went on, the crops kept failing. Um, the world slowly became aware of the Irish people's problem. So like we mentioned before, British government wasn't doing shit. They were super slow about it. And... um they basically were like, well, this is Ireland's problem. They can sort it out themselves, let it run its course, despite the fact that other crops continued to be produced and export while the people were dying. So to make matters worse, some landlords began to evict those tenants who could not pay their rent, sending them wandering aimlessly from town to town in the search of food. And the United States, decide, you know, despite being at war with Mexico at the time, actually dispatched two warships and... Sent supplies over to the starving population. So, pat yourself on the back, America. You did something. Woohoo.
0: Yeah, America. Good job, America.
1: <laughs> and then eventually, groups like the Quakers set up soup kitchen, kitchens in order to try to save the population. Um, and then the government did this super fun thing where they were like, these people are already starving and disease ridden, but we're going to make these things called workhouses for the starving. And it's that they have to work to get fed. Because they wouldn't just want to sit on their ass and just be given food, you know. So they decided that they would start this program where they would have them build roads to earn their food when they're already malnourished and starving. So
0: starving people had to do manual labor, which put them into an even deeper calorie deficit Mm -hmm. in order to earn food.
1: That's exactly right yeah i mean that's like hanger at another level i can't even imagine it's like that show naked and afraid but like way worse because that's like your reality for more than 21 days
0: (laughs) well and it's your reality like in a time where you don't get to just like return to comforts right is
1: over right holy shit there it is again yeah (laughs) So, um, you know, a lot of people did leave Ireland and went to the United States because there were some ships available. The major port of departure was, uh, Cove, which incidentally was also the last port of call for the ill-fated Titanic on our maiden voyage. What? Fun fact. <laughs> yeah, and Cove in Ireland is spelled C-O-B-H. So we did Google that. Um, we did a little fact check before this. <laughs> um... So there were a lot of ships, different shapes and sizes, but due to the lack of space and hygiene and amenities and general treatment by their crews, um, they were calling these things the dreaded coffin ships and they would just kind of take you away from the potato famine. So as if being torn away from one's home and country was not enough for those suffering people, the voyage to the land of salvation proved fatal to many of those who were ill as well as those who were not so once on the ships the immigrants were forced to endure the open seas and often unsafe ships that were originally built for transporting cargo back and forth uh to the new continent aka america that sounds like it was a super
0: super comfy ride
1: yeah Like, not first class, but, you know, maybe business (laughs) class? No. (laughs) Delta comfort? (laughs) It
0: would be kind of like riding in the cargo area Mm. of the
1: airplane. Oh, that sounds freaking terrible. Right? And, you know, not only are you riding basically in the cargo area, people around you have typhus and other diseases, and due to the lack of hygiene... Um, It wreaked havoc amongst the passengers and the crew. So in 1847, of the almost 100,000 people that sailed to Quebec, 5,282 died during the crossing and a further 3,389 succumbed to illness once they had arrived and were put on the quarantine island of Grosse Ile that was located just a few kilometers from Quebec City. So basically, they had this really crappy um, setup for this quarantine center. The healthy people were actually placed amongst the ill, exposing them to deadly typhus. And many of those people who had arrived were children who had lost their parents on the passage and many of those worked their way east to west to other parts of canada but most of them came to canada in order to break their yoke from the empire eventually fulfilled their long time desire and made their way south and crossed to the united states so freaking hooray so wait a minute But (laughs) if you here's the tagline
0: for that journey if you didn't get on the ship with typhus Mm-hmm. you will get off it with typhus basically and if you didn't get off the ship with typhus then you'll get the typhus in the quarantine center right right so basically get on this boat it'll give you typhus and
1: it yeah and if you're a child your parent probably died of typhus along the way
0: and we'll give you typhus too you're welcome
1: yeah So in 1847 alone, over 37,000 Irish had arrived in Boston, which makes total sense, right? And over 50,000 more to New York. So upon their arrival, after, you know, you beat Typhus, you made it over, you know, you didn't starve to death, but you come to the United States and the new immigrants were greeted by a government that was openly anti-Catholic and science advertising jobs also said no irish need apply so the conditions at the american quarantine stations were much better than quebec um, and those that went through them fared much better than they did in quebec but you know you had a lot of racism happening in good old america That sounds about right. Yeah. For the time period. Right. I mean, they were allowed to do some jobs. Like, really physical and often dangerous jobs. Like, they built the railroad. They did. Okay. And they mined shit. Yeah. And they road built and construction. So, really, it's like, okay, your option is stay in Ireland and starve and build roads or come to America and build roads and still have to find your food. But you'll you'll have more food. right? <laughs> you'll have potatoes again. Yay! God, I wonder if they could even like look at potatoes. I don't know. You we'd know? Ha- we'd have to ask them that, and, right. and unfortunately, we can't. Right. So back in Ireland, the potato crops didn't fully recover until 1852, and by then the damage was done. Although estimates vary, it is believed as many as one million Irish men, women, and children perished from the famine, and another one million immigrated from the island to escape poverty and starvation, with many of them landing throughout North America and Great Britain. But back in America, over the years, the Irish, with their hard work and perseverance, started becoming successful and affluent in their new land. They are now amongst the highest average income earners in America, many of them went on to become business tycoons such as Henry Ford great military men and politicians the best known is whom the best known is John F Kennedy who was elected in 1960 becoming the first catholic irish american president in the united states his grandfather had immigrated from New Ross county Wexford in 1847 the end Wow. Yeah. Did you feel like you went on a journey? I did. I felt like
0: I went on a very sad and awful journey, but at the same time, a very eye-opening journey because I realized I didn't actually know anything about the potato famine. Like Talking about the potato famine is one of those... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like one of those great things that everybody like references just in conversation but without fully understanding like what it really was and what it is that they're referencing
1: it's really screwed up yeah like from so many angles it is so screwed up like like oh, screw you, Great Britain. You suck. Now I understand why they're so angry in Peaky Blinders. Like, (laughs) I get it now. And that was, like, in the 1900s. Like, you're still going to be salty about it. Yeah. You know? I would imagine so. It makes so much sense, like, the whole... Just the whole way, like, for people that don't know, Ireland's broken up in two parts. There is... A part that is primarily Catholic and there's a part that's primarily Protestant. So it's really interesting to learn more about the potato famine part of it. Because that was before a lot of like the Irish Revolution and the IRA and all that crazy cool stuff. Well, I shouldn't say cool stuff, but really intense, interesting (gasps) stuff to learn about (laughs) was happening. Um, So it's just I love Irish here. I love Irish history. I took an Irish history class for theater. went there for a week and fell in love with it so definitely go to Ireland if you ever can it's freaking sweet
0: it's on my list of things to do someday and also I would say that while this story didn't have like I wouldn't say that it was all worth it in the end it does have a semi-happy ending because we got John F. Kennedy and henry ford both of whom changed america yeah i mean for better or worse depending on what you think of cars and john f kennedy right
1: But yeah i mean he didn't have a great ending
0: no no he did not but um i i I definitely wouldn't say that it was worth it but that's a but fascinating yeah, piece of it, history.
1: It, it's like glass half full for America. You got two really important people out of the deal that you wouldn't have gotten
0: in yeah. the first place. And there's probably more. They just weren't listed in the
1: article. Like or... in the two articles that I researched before that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and was like, wow, this is making me really fired up. And I want to tell people about this. So hopefully we don't lose you there. <laughs> but it it is like a farming thing, though, because it's like that just that farming issue and this simple fungus came over and screwed things up for so long for people and it literally killed people
0: yeah and we like to call this our very first installment of drunk farming history
1: yes which is why we pre-gamed but trying to say like irish catholic um, When you're a little buzzed, kind of tricky. <laughs> this is why we don't drink a lot before we hop on. Yes. We want you to be able to understand us. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Cure resting beak face in your flock with Grubblies.
1: The ladies love a delicious snack and we love the healthy feathers and strong eggshells. And who
0: doesn't love a Grubblies happy hour?
1: That's Grubblies for your chickens, an adult beverage for you don't mix the two up. And save 15% on
0: your first order of grublies using code farm15 at grublyfarms.com.
1: So now part two of the episode where we talk about what the hell Bev's doing with potatoes on her counter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I have potatoes from the Amish that are starting to sprout.
1: Ooh, that's so fun. It's so funny because Orion, like, went to the counter. He's like, what is my mom doing with these? Is she trying to grow potatoes? I was like, I think that's what's happening over there. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So they're potatoes that I ordered from the Amish. And I don't have a proper root cellar. If you properly cellar your potatoes, it's supposed to prevent the eyes from forming Mm. and shooting out sprouts. Um, But I was just keeping them on a paper bag, like on my counter, and I've just been ordering them every few weeks. Okay. So I wasn't really trying to root cellar them, but I'm assuming that either the temperature that i keep the kitchen at which is sort of ridiculously high because i'm cold all the time so we keep our heater a little warm
1: well and i'm sure it fluctuates with the you know stove being on and off or the ovens and then the dishwasher and you know
0: yeah so the kitchen probably actually is the warmest room in the house because of all of that stuff so Warm temperatures and sunshine are basically what it takes to force potatoes Uh into starting to seed, which is what it's called when the eyes start forming and it starts to sprout. Yeah. So any potatoes that show bulging sprouts have broken dormancy and are actively converting their starches into sugars and other nutrients that are needed for growth. And have you ever heard that thing where they say, like, don't eat green potatoes because they're poisonous? Yeah. Or, like, when you peel the skin off of potatoes, if they're green, you're supposed to just throw them away. Is that bullshit? Well, so it's kind of bullshit because you can eat slightly sprouted potatoes just as long as they feel firm and you remove the sprouts first. Mm. Because the green potato skin and the potato sprouts contain something called solanine which is a bitter compound that can make you sick. So I don't think it would kill you if you ate it. Maybe if you ate too much of it. I don't know. I really didn't research solanine. So (laughs) I just, I didn't feel like I needed to go that deep into it. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons why they tell you not to feed raw potatoes to your chickens. Have you ever heard that?
1: Oh, no. But we don't keep a lot of potatoes in the house, especially right now.
0: Yeah, that makes sense because they're not really – I mean, well, so they're a popular crop to eat this time of year because if you have a root cellar, then it's something that you've held over from Mm -hmm. the fall and you Mm -hmm. probably still have. Um, But if you don't, then yeah, probably not. And I think potatoes from the grocery store – are not all of them because I don't want to say every grocery store does this, (laughs) uh, but I think that they're sprayed with something that prevents growth just like garlic is from the grocery store because that makes sense because otherwise – If you buy it and you store it in your sunny kitchen window, you'd have potato sprouts in like four days. Right. So, I mean, it makes sense that they would. So there's no right way to plant sprouting potatoes, uh, but here's what I'm doing. And there will be a link in the show notes to growveg.com. Yeah, that's right, which is the blog that I got a little bit of this information from uh, so that you can look up a little bit about sprouting potatoes if you've never heard of this or didn't know that this was a thing. So uh, when you see that your potatoes are starting to sprout, you wanna cut the sprouts off of your potato and place them into a shallow dish of water. Uh, Some people say that you can just put them straight into the soil. I like to put them into the shallow dish of water so that they can start to root. And that's when um, the roots start to actually grow out of the sprout area to drink the water up. And when you cut the sprouts off of the potato, I always leave just a little bit of like the quote unquote mother potato on.
1: (laughs) Uh,
0: But some people don't do that. Some people do because the mother potato does give the sprout like a larger chance of getting like disease or funk Aww. or rot because it's a bigger area that okay. could go bad so the less mother potato the better i probably always give it just a little too much because i, I like giving it more space to grow out okay. uh, roots because yeah. i figure they didn't cost me anything They were potatoes i was gonna eat so i'll just check them if they rot and i'll start again with the next batch of the sprouts when the roots start to grow um i fill paper bags like brown paper bags with some potting soil not a lot because it doesn't need to be super deep uh, because as it starts to grow you'll be mounding the soil up under the plant so that the plant has roots to grow the tubers um but you put the or you plant the sprouts into the soil and put it under grow lights or in a south facing window so, that they can continue growing until all danger of frost has passed. So, that will be a different time depending on what growing zone you live in. Once the danger of frost has passed, you can plant those paper bags directly into mounds in the garden because the brown paper bags will compost down into the garden. So, they work just sort of like a compostable potato pot, which is pretty cool. And If you want to grow potatoes that are as large as your face, you've got to give them about 14 inches of space between plants. Otherwise, they get too crowded and they can't grow the big potatoes you crave.
1: Mm, Like the Irish people missed.
0: Yeah. Well, now that's kind of sad and instead of funny.
1: (laughs) Are you having potato envy, Ireland? (laughs) Bad jokes. Okay, I'm done. Time out for Sam. jokes she's sassy when she drinks tea beer
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you can also plant potatoes into grow bags and in fact i've got a bunch of them uh they're by a brand called root pouch and we'll stick a link to those in the show notes i really like them because when they're filled with like a good potting mix and compost and then whatever you want to plant they're really light to like lug around and move and they're also made like specifically to let like the roots grow and whatnot. I don't know that they work the best for potatoes because potato tubers uh, grow best when they're kept cool, which is why most people plant potatoes directly into the ground. Oh, yeah. So we have really heavy clay soil here, which is also not super ideal for potatoes. And I don't have an area that I've been like amending specifically for potatoes. So I think this year I'm going to try to do just a little bit of both to see how they turn out. Or maybe I'll like take the bags and... Because they're so light, just move them around into like the cooler areas of the house or possibly if I keep them in the grass, they'll stay cooler because they'll be like right up against the ground as opposed to like a high deck. But you've seen those like potato grow bags, you know, like the infomercial for it. It's got like a window on it that you tear open and all these potatoes just like pour out of it that aren't attached to anything because, yeah, that's how potatoes grow. (laughs)
1: I don't think I've seen that infomercial. (laughs) You haven't
0: seen that? What
1: the hell? That sounds so bizarre.
0: Yeah, it is. It's super bizarre. It's just like, it looks like a laundry basket, but it's got a window on it and it's filled with dirt and there's all these potato vines coming out the top of it and you just like rip open the window and then the potatoes start to fall out.
1: That sounds really gratifying though.
0: It does sound super gratifying. But messy. I've picked potatoes out of or dug potatoes because you don't pick them because they're grown under the ground. (laughs) But I've dug potatoes out of my neighbor's garden and they were not that easy to just like get out, you know, because they're they're sort of attached to each other by like a like a I don't know what the word I'm looking for is like a like a maze of of things you know it's like yeah. the mother plant and then like all the little fingers coming off and then like the potatoes just like all over the Sounds place like a
1: mothership but has little pods
0: yeah exactly that's yeah. exactly what it's like uh so that's all I got about potatoes uh, next hey. time they sprout on your counter, give it a shot. Let me know how you do it because everybody does it a little differently. That's just how yeah. I've always heard to do potatoes. So that's the way that I do it. I like, to, I like to let them root in the water first. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I've never really done anything with potatoes, so I learned something
0: today. Uh, and the farthest I've ever gotten is the letting them grow roots. I usually forget to water them and let the dish run dry on accident and then they die so this year i'm trying to do better
1: yeah just get closer to that whole actually growing a whole potato thing yes exactly Mm -hmm. so we have a farm story this week but it's non-listener and this one's not going to make us cry like last week's did Mm -mm. nope it's not no and somebody i tried to look it up but i couldn't find it somebody posted this in our group on facebook we drink and we farm things um so i'm sorry for not shouting you out because I, i literally searched the group i could not find it like screw you facebook algorithm um it even does weird shit in our group sometimes um but the headline is fox killed by gang of chickens after intruding on French farm. French farm. Period. That's it. Um. So basically a gang of chickens at a French farming school. Um, this past week was suspected of killing a fox that had snuck into their coop in the middle of the night. Which. How badass is that? It's so badass.
0: That I'm a little terrified to accidentally get trapped in my chicken's coop. Oh.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> I think it's important to note that the fox had entered a coop containing 3,000 hens. That's a lot of hens. Yeah, yeah. Um, and after the fox had entered, an automatic hatch door closed and trapped him inside. So he kind of had it come in. You
0: know. Yeah, he did.
1: You know, that whole fox in the hen house thing? Like, mm, that fox really got it, like, turned around on him. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: for the first time a fox in a hen house was a good thing for the hens
1: yeah and a po- apparently the head of the farming school told um the news agencies that a herd instinct kid- kicked in and the chickens attacked him with their beaks which if you've ever been like pecked in the face or you know like spurred i mean obviously these are all hens but like chickens can do some damage
0: yeah, I've had a chicken almost peck me in the eye mm, when I wasn't paying uh-huh. enough attention while I was carrying it around. Like it just got a little tired of me and it was probably just trying to give me like a, "Hey. Hey you. Put me down. Stop that." But it aimed for the lightest thing on my face,
1: <sighs> which was my eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some people post and say they got my eye when I'm trying to take a chicken selfie Sunday. It's a
0: hazard. Yeah, totally. Totally chicken selfie Sunday hazard. Yes.
1: So, the body of the fox, which was believed to be five or six months old, was found by students the following day with blows to its neck and blows from beaks. So, the whole mass of hens like hang out, and the fox was panicked um, because of the big number, and the hens were like, oh, hell no. And they took them out. <laughs> um, apparently, this farm is located in Brittany, in a uh, northwestern region of France. And the farm houses six thousand chickens who roam freely on a whole five acres. So that's a lot of chicken shit. Mm-hmm. Lots of shit. Their grass must be, you know, pretty okay. With that much poop, but maybe not. I don't know. I thought you were gonna
0: say their grass must be like way greener, but instead <laughs> you said pretty okay. I maybe,
1: like, maybe that's what the fox said. Was like, what does the fox say?
0: Meow, 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 meow. No, I
1: didn't do that right. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so yeah. So um that is our farm story this week. A pack of hens took out a fox, which is pretty awesome. Like, go chickens.
0: Yeah. Rock. In case anybody was wondering whether chickens rocked, I I think the answer to that is unequivocally yes.
1: Yes. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. I mean, I've seen my little savage chickens running around the yard with a mouse in their mouth. So I know they have it in them. Yep. Just a pack mentality that needs to kick in to take out bigger prey.
0: I've always said that I hope I never pass out in the chicken coop.
1: Oh, yeah, because you're at least getting like pooped on a lot.
0: <laughs> I mean, at minimum, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: They're like very carnivorous, though, as, we, as we've learned the past year or so.
0: So that was a non listener farm story. But if you have a farm story that you think fellow listeners could laugh at, learn from, or just warm their hearts, We want to hear it. So send them to us via direct message on IZ. IZ. IG. (laughs)
1: Instagram.
0: Or email them to drinkandfarm at gmail.com.
1: Yeah. So that was like the bulk content of our episode today. We hope you enjoyed the little trip through Irish history. Yeah. And and additional information.
0: And potatoes.
1: (laughs) And potatoes.
0: I mean, if we had thought of this...
1: Before
0: now, we would have released this in time for St. Patrick's Day, but we thought of it like like just now.
1: Like four hours ago. (laughs) And we're like, well, shit, let's get to work.
0: We should do that because it is St. Patrick's Day as we record this. Yes. Yeah.
1: So we've been mentioning Coop Camp quite a bit on our podcast. And just a reminder, those dates for that are June 7th through 9th. Seventh through ninth, and it's going to be right outside of Indianapolis um, in a town called Dansville. So you can go to faded slash G- T- coop camp.html. Bev will put that in the show notes. Um, and you can hang out with your favorite podcasters because that's us, right? We hope otherwise yeah. that's super awkward. Uh huh. Yes
0: and take our survey. You can give us anonymous feedback. There's a link in the show notes. And thank you to whomever did it this last week because we got several of them. Yeah. So keep it up. If you're thinking to yourself, I have not taken that survey, so she's not talking about me, go do it. Thank you, please and thank you. Use nice words. Nice words,
1: please. (laughs) Constructive criticism goes a long way. (laughs) We've already mentioned our Facebook group several times. Make sure you go join that and review us in all of the places. And if you really, really like us, download the episode when you listen and hit that subscribe button. Um, we've gotten a few more iTunes reviews, which just makes us like deliriously happy. So if you want to just thrill us um, and it actually helps our rating on Inst- or on iTunes um, so more people find us uh go leave us a review over there or wherever you listen i just check itunes though i won't lie i can't i can't download all the apps and check them all
0: well i think itunes is the only app that you can actually well no maybe spotify and stitcher you can mm. probably review on both of those maybe. you can't in podcast addict which is what i use because i'm an android user um you can also leave us a review on facebook yeah yeah we like those too that's helpful as well yeah. but itunes is the most helpful place for yes. sure yes And we sell merch. Sam makes all sorts of awesome things. And you can buy them at our website, which is drinkandfarm.com slash shop. There's all sorts of great beverage holding containers Mm. for safely drinking and farming. Uh, And there's stickers. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exciting stuff. Yeah. And we also open up a second merch shop for stuff that I don't want to make or don't have time to make um, or just don't have the skill set to make. So just go to drinkandfarmmerch.com and check out the shirts, hoodies, and camping cups in there. They're super cute. And if you go buy a t-shirt, that actually helps us get to places like Coop Camp.
0: Yeah, when you buy any of our merch, that actually supports us as well. Yes. Well, thanks for listening, guys. This was awesome. And it was our first time recording an episode together. So weird. In case
1: you forgot, it was a little weird. I was like, Do I make eye contact? <laughs> so I'm it not was used funny.
0: It was a little weird, but all of the faces that you made are exactly what I pictured <laughs> while we're recording, right? That's funny. Like yeah. the hand gestures and the way that we move our heads.
1: Like, yeah. We're pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like looking in a mirror, but <laughs> like brown, a mirror. Hair. <laughs> brown hair. Brown <laughs> hair. Like a blonde mirror nah. over there.
0: <laughs> so drink. Farm. And, and give, give zero, zero clucks. clucks. Bye, guys. Bye. I wondered if we'd be able to say it at the same time, actually, if we that were in the so same room. So much easier. Because yes. during a live show, I was like, holy shit, I can't. All the crowd would say. A.
1: And give zero clucks. our
0: crowd wouldn't because they they wouldn't know
1: yes they would well not at coop camp yeah maybe elsewhere